everyone. Welcome back to Reality 2.0. I am Catherine Druckmann. Uh, Doc and I are talking to Kyle Rankin today. You probably know Kyle from previous episodes. If you don't, you can look him up and you can find him usually writing some really insightful stuff at the Purism blog. Before we get started, I would like to thank everyone who subscribes to the newsletter and who sends us nice messages and our uh, Patreon patrons and coffee supporters and, and all the people who help us keep this thing going. So yeah, thank you. Today we are talking about some Apple news, something that I'm sure a lot of you have already read up on. And if you haven't, we have quite a few links to share. But it boils down to an announcement that Apple made recently about a child safety initiative, which kind of has two facets, which we will go into. But one of them is essentially scanning your phone. And then the other one has to do with parental control. And, and we'll get into some more details about that. But it's definitely, you know, it's in the news. It's very controversial. And there are a lot of different opinions. And we kind of want to un unpack them. We hope that we can do that in a way that continues to be relevant in the future. If you're listening, you know, to this a year from now or, or, yeah. or who knows when. The you important know, thing knows? is that only our opinions, only our opinions matter on this. It's true. Podcast, so <laughs> ours are the right ones. We, yeah, there are right. many, but so ours are the, the right ones. Are, are shaded in the wrong direction. It's true. Any number it's of true. wrong directions, so, but we're correct. So you heard it just, here. And, so you know, we'll just start with that. Another so thing that, that I really. Will make <laughs> but another thing I'm really hoping to get out of this also is maybe a little bit of advice. Maybe, maybe we can kind of try and, and figure out where to go from here. You know, it, depending on your varying level of concern about what Apple is doing, there are, there are alternatives, right? And there are things that you can do to mitigate the theoretical damage being done or, you know, to make yourself more comfortable with using Apple products if you don't agree with, with their new policy. So anyway, so with that, um, let's, well, first of all, let's unpack the policy. I wonder maybe Kyle, if you could, you could help us unpack it in, in, in that Kyle way that you always do. Even though it's not your policy and you have a better one. Yes. <laughs> well, a couple of things. The first thing is, is I'm not going to dive probably very heavily into all of the cryptography behind the scenes. Sort of when you get sort of a security or privacy perspective on this issue, I've, I've went, or issues like this, I find that people tend to fall into two camps there in the security realm. There are the people who give all of their focus to to the technical details behind the scenes and does does the thing work or you know does did they secure it correctly? And then there are other people that fall into the camp of should they be doing this instead of how did they do it? Mm -hmm. uh, and so. For me, I'm more focused on the should they be doing this than you know did, were they successful in in uh, performing the encrypt in, in encrypting data and all of that in the ways that they say that they. I'm going to basically give them the benefit of the doubt for now that Apple the way that Apple says that they are implementing this um, meets the privacy guarantees they're saying. But anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. So essentially, what they're what they've announced is in an effort to protect uh, to in, sort of like in, an, in a partnership for child safety, they are uh, announced that they're going to start scanning photos that are being uploaded to uh, the iPhoto to the iPhoto cloud or the photo iCloud uh, backup. But before they get sent up there now, right now, to my understanding, it's not encrypted if you were to send photos up there um, at the moment. So they could, in theory, scan these photos uh, before they go. Uh, but the but what they've said is they will um, start adding a scanner 
that will scan uh, your photos before you were to sync them up to iCloud. Uh, for images that match hashes of known, uh, will, will, the shorthand is CSAM, but child sex abuse material. Um, there are, this is a database that um, a number of, of cloud providers also reference, like Facebook and, and Microsoft and many others, uh, to try to find people who are sharing that type of material on their clouds, on their property. And Apple is referencing the same database. And basically, long and the short of it is they will perform a scan if they get a match, in particular, if they get a certain threshold of matches from a person, then it will trigger Apple human beings to uh, then unlock secrets to allow them to see what the image is and compare it with what it's supposed to be matching. And then if they find it, if the human being finds a match, then they will report the person to law enforcement. Um, that's the long and short of that part of it. The other part of the child safety initiative, um, or one of the other parts of it has to do with uh, Apple customers who are under 18. Those customers, uh, there's a new policy that's part of the parental controls. So that if you're under 18 and, a, and you are using iMessage and you're sharing what uh, they consider to be sexually explicit material, which is a much broader category than this other hash database that I mentioned before, if you um, are sharing what they find to be uh, child or to, to be sexually explicit material, then before it gets sent to you, if someone sends it to you, before it gets sent to you, you will get a alert saying, with a blurred version of the message saying, you're about to be sent this. Um, if you accept it, we think it's explicit, but we will let your parents know essentially that, you're, that you accepted it. Or if you're sending it, same sort of thing if you're under 18. The final piece is they're also doing a Siri and search modifications so that if you search for certain keywords that they think um, are relevant to either someone who is being sexually abused or someone who is an abuser, depending on uh, the context, they will redirect you to certain contextual information. So that's sort of the summary. Yeah. And how, so, how does this differ though from, from what they're doing now? Do you know? I mean, if, if they're already, if it's not currently encrypted and they're already able to scan your stuff on iCloud, how, what, what is the difference? I mean, the, the thing that's there's well, what makes it so controversial is the fact that you're clean, you're they're scanning on the, the phone itself, right? In yeah, a way that a user that can't, me. <laughs> can't exactly op, opt out of. You can well actually me and say, well, you could disable if right now, if you disable um, photo backups to iCloud, then they say that this will not, this feature they're implementing, it won't have, there, no scanning will happen. Um, so the controversial part that it's scanning on the phone instead of right. once it gets to their property. And I'm forgetting your other question. Uh, um, I th it was how just, it how differ? is it different? But I think, you know, oh. I think that answers it. So basically what, what you're saying, correct me if I'm wrong here, but it is effectively by using an Apple device, you are, and, and opting into iCloud, which most people do, I guess, you are consenting to a constant ongoing search of your device by law enforcement, basically, right? Sort of, I mean, basically every time that you back up a, take, take a new photo, have a new photo that then gets, will get backed up there, then it scans that. Um, right. So I don't, you know, whether, root, how routine the scan is, I think, I think it's not like a, like a job that runs hourly or whatever. Right, okay. I think it has it's more to do on, with- On upload. On upload, on the, on syncing or whatever, that right. then it does all of these checks. But that's something that happens pretty frequently, I would think, for most users. I'm just trying to, to paint a picture of like, what would be the equivalent in the, in the non-digital world, in the physical world, right? You would be literally searched. 
on an ongoing, probably daily basis. That's the, I guess I'm, I mean, maybe I'm, I'm it, painting it, a, a, a elaborate and creative image here, but it just seems kind of extreme. That's all. I think the closest thing in the physical world is say, when you go into a concert venue or a, uh, a theater or something and they want to look in your bag and you go through a metal detector, mm -hmm. something like that, you know, cause they don't want you to bring dangerous stuff. You don't want to bring a gun into the ballpark. They don't want you bringing, uh, you know, so iCloud being their it, ballpark. Yeah. Ex yeah. Ex something the, like that. Except but the weird I, thing is the search is on your property. It's on your right. property. It's, That's it's, it's hard to do a The metaphor. bag you're carrying is your property. I mean, I'm just, yeah. there probably is not nothing completely analogous, but uh, several things here that are worth bringing up. One is, I don't think most of us had even heard there was such a thing as, you know, CSAM, child sexual abuse material, which I've already heard referred to as CSAM. So, CSAM is a thing in the world that we didn't know about until last, until Apple talked about this and suddenly became controversial. And I'm just looking at their, their literature here. You know, they, they have new technology in the iPad and iOS operating system that allow them to detect these images as stored in iCloud photos, but then they have a complicated way of explaining how they look at it kind of on the fly as it goes up there. Then it goes into a secret thing, a, a secret thing, and it's only one in a trillion chance that it, for false positives or something like that. The, the thing is that, you know, there's already like a, a master database out there of CSAM yes. material. No, no, none of us yet even wants to know what the hell that shit is. No one will look at it. And on top of that, you, you find yourself wondering, well, what, what is it if, if a child's playing with a banana or you have a kid on a leash, you know, I mean, all these things could be possibly misinterpreted by machines, you know, I mean, Really, you know, what, what is sexually explicit material involving a child? That could be all kinds of stuff uh, that, mm. you know, so. I think we should assume it's pretty horrible. And I it's imagine not, it's quite, I imagine it's and, quite horrible, but you know, the. Yeah, my, my, my understanding of it is to get on this particular database, it is considered pretty egregious and has been like to the point that it's been um, like someone who someone who was responsible for that picture could be would be prosecuted you know like that yeah. kind of thing like it's not it's not like an incidental thing i don't think we're talking like kids in the bath you know kids in the bathtub kind of spider yeah. no for sure but my understanding is very explicit material that, yeah, that so, is, is documented sexual abuse yeah in in uh, his um antonio garcia martinez in his piece on this called hunting predators um which will be in our list of links he says, basically, he dares people, he dares all you hardcore libertarians out there to go ahead and look at what this stuff is and then and then come back and tell us it's not okay to try to hunt this stuff down. An interesting thing is that the defenders in general, and even the people taking a middle position like John Gruber in, in Daring Fireball, are used to operating inside the silos. In other words, they're native to the silos and, you know, that... Uh, Gruber covers Apple uh, as a matter of course. That's his sort of stock in trade. Martinez worked f briefly for Apple, and there's a whole controversial story about that. But before that, he was with Facebook, and he gives a very interesting story about how much of these bad guys Facebook actually plays a part in catching and that they have saved lives. They have saved uh, children, and I don't doubt to some degree that's true. But Right now, the world we live in is one in which a free market is your choice of silo. And we live siloed lives. And even all of the mitigations we can think about 
for this. For example, just don't put anything in iCloud. In iCloud. Don't, don't put your photos in iCloud. You have your photos, keep them, you know, uh, don't, don't put them there. And that's, that's one solution to this if you're worried about, you're not even worried about you getting caught or something, just if you don't want to be participate in Apple's scheme here, just don't put them in, that's an example of that. But to me, the problem here is that way too much of the debate is taking place inside the siloed world rather than looking past the siloed world to think, how can we make the world without silos? Now, Kyle, I'm glad we have you on this call because you're, you're, you're operating outside the silo. Purism is there already, you know, get, get one of your phones and you're not involved in this. You know, that's a safe thing to do. Have one of your computers, you're not involved in this and you are safe from, you know, not from the predation, but from Apple, safe from Microsoft, safe from Facebook, safe from all the large silos doing good for you by working with law enforcement and working with, you know, taking care of you, being your big brother, being a nice big brother, but still a big brother. And that's kind of the position the EFF is taking, and it's an absolute one, and I'm with them on that. Yeah, I mean, I guess you start with this with, there are a couple of categories of crime where some people will take a stance of this particular category of crime, like like uh, child sex abuse is one category, terrorism is often another category that will come up where this crime is so egregious that any means possible to stop this crime is justified. Um, in the case of terrorism in the past, there's been debates over um, torture and degrees of torture, what degrees of torture are permissible and some would say all degrees of torture if it can stop terrorism it's such an egregious crime, it's, okay. it's worth it, right? So that's one extreme stance of this. And then if you don't take that extreme stance of saying uh, child sex abuse is so, such a horrible crime and so damaging that any means to stop it is acceptable. If you don't believe that, then you, have, then you fall back to, okay, well then where's the line? Um, and if we're talking technologically, where's the technological line? Up to this point, the technological line was on basically where you define property. So it was more or less considered acceptable for cloud providers to scan the contents of their clouds, the, the hard drives in their servers that they own for this material, for all kinds of material. The same thing goes for you know, beheading vi videos and other things that are you know, very heinous uh, media that gets shared. It's considered, it was considered acceptable because it's their property. And so the line up to this point was, if you share something with someone else's cloud, on their cloud, they're allowed to search their property for contraband and as defined by however they, that company defines contraband. But the unique thing here is that now it's moved, the, is that it moved to client side. This is where the line is, the discussion to me is uh, moving that line from someone's cloud provider to uh, an individual's property uh, ahead of time, the, right preemptively before it gets to the cloud because presumably um, at some point, uh, people are, are thinking that Apple's probably going to start encrypting things before it goes to iCloud in the future, something they don't necessarily do across the board. And this is preempting some of the outcry they might get from law enforcement by making that move, by you know, essentially bypassing encryption by scanning things ahead of time before it's encrypted. So anyway, like I said, to me, the debate ends up coming down to like, one is where is the line? Should the line stop at your personal property without, you know, if we're not talking about due process and warrants and that sort of thing, but in terms of tech companies, 
where where their control should end. And to me, of course, you know, I mean, I take the stance of, you know, that your your computer is your property and that you should have full control over everything that happens to it. So that, you know, obviously all of the products that we work on at Purism are focused on that. Um, but a lot of the other tech companies have a very paternalistic view of um, the, the products they make. And they think, well, for your own good as a user, we should push down policy to protect you individually from a security standpoint. And most people tend to accept that, even if it's restrictive to a degree, they'll say, yeah, I'm willing to accept you approving what software I'm allowed to install on my device. I mean, I personally don't agree with this, but a lot of people are fine with that in the name of protecting them. But in this case, the policies, but the same policy that allows them to push that onto your device and enforce it is the same policy that allows them to do this, which is to say, we can now also scan for particular categories of contraband that we've defined that hasn't really, you know, that we've decided is what, what shouldn't be allowed. And we'll scan for it on your property, which is kind of, which then muddies what property is, you know, in that case. So I'm wondering, so like, okay, so they, you know, they didn't try this for, you know, uh, pirated movies or something, you know what I mean? It, so it has to be some threshold. I wonder a few things. I wonder, is this a response um, to increasing pressure? Like they're going to do this on their terms before they're forced to do it. There's, there's, there's that conversation, uh, you know, I've seen around yeah. and I've thought about as well. Um, you know, they, I think there's another conversation I think there's some people are concerned that this becomes like a vector of attack. I've seen this, I've seen this expressed on you know social media and elsewhere that, you know, so if you really want to screw up somebody's life, you somehow send them a bunch of contraband images, get yep. them on their phone, and then and then they're screwed and 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 you know Same and with Pegasus. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's actually a really great point. I will link to a previous episode outlining the dangers of uh, Pegasus. But yeah. well, and this so, isn't yeah, so this isn't hypothetical either. This, this no, no. happened recently, I think, in India, if I'm not mistaken, um, where a couple of uh, uh, a couple of people who were politically in opposition to those in power um, had had uh, I think it was actually uh, CSAM planted on their devices, and it was shown mm -hmm. shown later on that it was this evidence was planted to discredit them, um, yeah. because they were in the political opposition. I remember actually re reading like a few years ago an article about some foreign nationals working, I think it was in the Houston Medical Center, and they were removed from, they were fired and whatever for some, like they were accused of stealing medical research or something like that. And then subsequently, like really quickly, suddenly they're both charged with possession of CSAM. And, and that just, I mean, that seems so like weird and you know, like, like, you know, conspiracy theorist hat, uh, you know, I don't know. I thought that was very odd. <laughs> Um, yeah. It just seems like a, a really obvious way to really get somebody, right? And and then and then the question is, is this really going to help? Like, it's just scanning literally every Apple customer going to help you go after the the real criminals that are the you know probably the people, you know, actually creating this stuff and 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 whatnot. It seems to me that that the sophisticated underbelly of of you know this sort of content is, you know is probably a little bit more. I don't know, savvy. They're not going to be uploading this stuff to iCloud, right? I mean, I don't know. I'm hardly an expert I mean, in that probably, part, but... prob probably not, maybe not. I don't know. I mean, the, the other thing, though, is that that 
right now it's very US centric. This they're mm-hmm. saying this is they're acting as though this is this particular database hash database is the only one that they will ever use. It will never, and they've also made claims that they, that they will not, uh, because one of the, the first thing that a lot of people's minds went to, including mine, was, China. okay, well, what about China? Like, what about iPhones mm-hmm. in China? Will they um, automatically, what, can, what will they add to the hashes? Will, will Tank Man yeah. images be added to the hash? And of course, the answer is it probably doesn't have to because China's already compromised iCloud in, mm-hmm. in, uh, in China anyway, so it's not necessary there, but, yeah. but um, a more realist, another, but other people have said, you know, more realistic expansion might be like the UK and India or other places where there's a, where it's less like extreme on one side, but uh, they have slightly different definitions of contraband in this respect. Mm. And they will probably ask for expansion there. And so which, that- which governments are Apple, is Apple going to comply with? That's always been the concern with encryption backdoors, right? Like mm-hmm. we've had, I'm sure we've had, you know, we've had plenty of discussions about encryption backdoors in the past. And we often will land on the idea of, you know, there's no such thing as a backdoor that only the good guys have keys to, you know? Right. Um, but in this case, it essentially functions a lot like an encryption backdoor, but then there's also the question of, well, but it's okay because only the good guys have access. But in this case, we're saying just this, the, the U.S. government and its policies on this particular database, but there's no. The concern is that this expands, right? That uh, to other to uh, other countries and other jurisdictions that have their say will say, "Well, you've made this just like once you've made an encryption backdoor on a device." And the other concern is, well, once you make it for one country, who do yeah. you give the keys to? Um, which because all governments will want the same powers, and once you give it to one, they will say, "Well, why can't we have it too?" And so then the question is, okay, well, which governments around the world will now have access to modify these hashes, or w- will they be able to coerce Apple to? They, of course, Apple's saying that they they will never will. Of course not. Um, well, they said they would never do this. Sure. <laughs> they said and a so, lot of things. Yeah, but the question is, you know, they said they never would do a lot of things in China as well, which they ultimately, yeah. which they ultimately gave into when the pressures because the, the there's just too much money to be made there. Yeah. So, so this is very much the slippery slope argument. And, you know, it is funny, you know, because of course they, they say, they say a lot of things, but it just, this coming out right after, you know, right after their major marketing push over the last year or so has been hashtag privacy or whatever, it, you know, very privacy centric. It just seems, I, I don't know. It seems like a bit, a bit of a misstep. There is, there, there is a significant enough backlash that it'll be interesting to see, you know, it, how this shakes out. It, it could be they're trying to get ahead of the nanny state. Like they see regulations coming down on this. We're going to make a symbolic move that we're, that will look, you know, will save us some difficulty. That's purely speculative on my part. But um, I think that there's, there are a couple of additional angles just to play with here. One is just the pure moral dilemma one, which is like the trolley problem. You know, do you, you know, do you, uh, are you going to kill, you know, the trolley's out of control or do you want it to kill the five people that are on the tracks right now or do you want to throw the switch and just kill the one person? And there are many, many variations on that and there's a lot of really interesting game theory you can apply to that. And, but it's a moral dilemma on their part. I mean, they, they had, they had to play a game. They had to weigh lost reputation on the, on the matter of privacy against um, uh, is this saving lives, whatever they think they're doing with this, um, and some other things that I suspect 
are not public, you know, and I, that's why I speculate about the the possible regulatory issue here that they see Europe, especially Europe, really is much more uh, much bigger with what in the U.S. we would call a nanny state. But there's another aspect to this too, which is this goes back 60 years to a really simple psychological framework called transactional analysis or TA. A guy named Eric Byrne developed it in the late 50s. Um, and we can put that in the list of, of links as well. Uh, but the idea is really a very simple one that all of us have three states in our lives that are the, the three roles that we play, um, especially if we have become parents when one parent, adult and child. And when we become, become adults, we generally a healthy relationship is adult to adult. We don't get parental on the other person um, if they're already an adult. Uh, we don't treat them like a child. Um, we don't get drunk and act like a child and and start making uh, start tearing the place up. That's a, that's an example of the child contaminating the adult and uh, disabling the parent within ourselves. And what Apple's doing here is crossing a boundary. They're they're getting parental on us. They were anyway. Um, they are all of these silos are parental and in a way because they're in charge. And in states, this is another problem we have. We we those of us with libertarian leanings want the state to be an adult that'll listen to us and say, okay, you can do these things. We, you're free and do what you want. And, and we trust you to be, to, to, to mind your own business and so forth. But, but we want the state to do some things that are parental, like take care of us in some ways and take care of the old and take care of crime and take care of, of other things. And that's a parental responsibility. And I think that there's, there's something going on here where Apple's all of a sudden getting more parental than we would like it to. And that's sort of a piece of this as well. And, and, you know, bringing up children, you know, we always want to protect the children. It's very important to protect the children. I've, you know, had th three of them in my life and uh, four, including our, my marriage. Um, uh, and, you know, you do want to be protective and you do want to be parental, but but you, you know, but it, but there's a moral conflict here. When, when do you give? When do you stop doing that? When do you start treating people like adults? I think that, you know, and again on the property issue that that Kyle was just talking about, we want our phones to be ours. That's my phone. You know, that's not Apple's phone. That's not Google's phone. That's my phone. I don't want them doing more than they absolutely have to. They, you know, okay, you've got your store. I can only buy things from your store. I want to, you know, you're going to check them out for me and make sure they're not harmful or, or going to violate my privacy or some other thing like that. Thank you very much for that. But once I have it, it should be mine, right? But all these things are auto-updating all the time. And so we're, you know, and that can only be done kind of in the siloed world. So these are all variables that are, that are thrown out there. But again, to me, the, the, the sort of bottom line is that I think we need to be treated as adults and um, and own these things. The, the, these are our things and they should be ours. And and we do not want, I, I do not want Apple meddling inside that, you know, go, if you wanna, if the, my deal with you is that when something is in the cloud and you have a right to look at it, that seems to, is that good, uh, Amazon's position with what's in their cloud in AWS? I think it is to some degree. But I don't know if it's encrypted going in and out. It might be hard to decrypt that stuff. But it's an it's an open question. 
but I think that those are those are some considerations to bring up. This is sort of the transactional analysis part of this, where they're getting too parental on us. Well, and I think you know, I think Apple was surprised by some of the the backlash to this, and that I think they were surprised that people saw this as an invasion of privacy because it sort of what what it does to me is it reveals how how they view what privacy is. Uh, mm. which we've actually talked about this on here before as well, too, where, you know, they've done a big marketing push. And I, I promise you, they don't see any contradiction in their current market, marketing push on how they protect people's privacy and doing client-side client scanning. And the reason is when they say we protect your privacy, what they're saying is against everybody else. They don't, yeah. they don't view themselves as an adversary. You know, they view mm. themselves as ultimately trusted. And so when they push down policy or with, for example, all of the warnings that they pop up about all of the third-party apps that are capturing your data that you have to approve, right? Mm. They don't do that for their apps, their operating system, even though their operating system captures and collects and sends up to the mothership similar types of information, but you didn't, you don't need to opt in or approve that sort of thing. Because again, they, they inherently trust themselves and they feel that you should inherently trust them as well. And so to them, well, why, if you, if you already have given us this trust, why, why shouldn't you trust us to scan your device for contraband as well? Because we're still protecting your privacy. Um, it's because, but because we're talking about everyone else, no one else would have access to this. Only us, only the humans at Apple in theory and only after matches and that sort of thing would look at this, no one, no one else. Yeah. But so, so what about in the context of sort of this ongoing, uh, kind of long-term sort of dance between tech companies and governments around the world with regard to encryption? This is not a new struggle, right? I mean, governments have wanted these back doors for, for as long as I've, you know, been aware of, of uh, the internet, I think. It's, this is, you know, it's in no way anything new. And you know, again, there there's political pressure that I think most of us on, you know, on the outside of the political world don't see. If you're not involved in, I don't know, politics or law enforcement or or that sort of thing, we we probably mostly unaware of it. But there are, you know, I think was it Australia that that passed some legislation that sort of undermined uh, encryption. So this just yeah, seems like the next okay. skirmish in a in a really long war, right? It's um, to me, I, biggest, you know, yeah. The biggest one of the bigger concerns for me on this, you know, one is the big thing is that the there is a, a major line that is not that just now is crossed, which is scanning something on the client before it gets uploaded to the cloud instead of on the cloud. So a vendor yeah. being able to search your device that you bought from them um, without your okay before it goes to their property on your property. So Apple is probably of, of the companies that would implement something like this. The concerning thing to me is because they're the first, um, they, might, they might even be able to handle this semi-responsibly over time. They might even have the cloud and the money to push back against um, some requests to expand these ha this hash database to include other things. But now that they've established, if, if they are able to establish that this is okay, that the line is now shifted onto your device instead of on, on a vendor's cloud, then there's no reason for any of the other vendors to, 
to stop. Other vendors will also get the same kind of pressure to implement similar things. And there's no mm -hmm. guarantees that those vendors will be similarly careful. So you can see and think about all of the devices that vendors have in our homes. Mm -hmm. You know, the line between, we already have, struggle with lines between ownership of devices, you know, personal assistant computers that sit in mm -hmm. our house that we talk to and do all these great things for us. We already have concerns in the past about, well, when I talk to them, are they storing marketing data that they're uploading mm -hmm. and monetizing? We've already had that concern, but now there's this additional concern of, well, this device is in our house. Now, what, which crimes should it be allowed to search our house for? And then report if it meets a certain threshold of machine learning or whatever, you know, because you can imagine a similar, all of the devices in our houses that have cameras, uh, could potentially down the road do a similar thing or, you know, I'll, or not, again, or, or your vacuum cleaner vacuums up a little weed off the floor and it turns you in. Yeah. Right. But yeah, I mean, but there's all these <laughs> things that are within the realm of possibility. And again, let's say that Apple is super uh, uh, conservative and cautious and powerful enough to fight back against extreme uses of this. I don't, even if they somehow are, I don't see every other vendor that's going to follow yeah. their lead being the same way. And then next we have TSA coming. Our analogy uh, conversation earlier. It's it, to me. It's it's now TSA coming to your house to search your bags before you go to the airport. <laughs> it's like, hey, mm. oh, we you know we don't want you to take any flammable materials, anything explosive, any guns. So we're just gonna drop by, you know, a couple hours before your flight, and we'll go through your bags at, at home. It, it's convenient for you, right? Well, think about cars. One of the next one of the next big areas of privacy concern to me outside of phones and computers, which we already have somewhat of a handle on is cars, because now they're ro rolling computers full of sensors. They're basically mm -hmm. a smartphone mm -hmm. with a, with a motor in them that you can drive, you know, <laughs> uh, that's narking, that's narking on you to somebody all the time. It used to be, there was just the ODB two port and you could plug something into that and, you know, but, but now there's a cell phone in your car. There's a cellular phone and it's talking to Toyota or Nissan or whoever, um, saying what? I don't know. I mean, uh, uh, we got a new Toyota last fall, and I had a hard time figuring out exactly what's in there. The dealer doesn't know, or they, if they do, the person at the dealer is not the one you're talking to. I, it's uh, it's pretty crazy. Here's the thought. I mean, I, I, if you go back to, if you look at sort of the history of personal computing, in the beginning, if I mean, even maybe even five or ten years after the beginning, if you bought an IBM PC XT, you know, or something subsequent down the road, it was, it was yours. It was not IBM's. It was not Compaq's. It wasn't any of those companies. Or if you bought a Mac, I mean, going up to even just maybe even 10 years ago, it went out the door. They didn't have a way to see what was going on. They didn't have a cloud yet. It was really, it was really, I mean, it used to be a platform, like Linux was a platform. The Mac OS was a platform. Now the platforms are big services. You know, this thing in Australia it turns out is, you know, the I just read it from a ZDNet thing. You know, a set of rules has been drafted by the Australian government that cover safety expectations of platforms. The platforms they're talking about are big companies, they're the big silos, not, you know, the Linux platform. You know, or or some other, you know, the the traditional version of those things which were the meaning of those things which is that you have something on which other things run you know like the iso stack this runs on that different companies and providers were at different levels of that stack no it's that 
whole populations are living on top of these platforms. You're living on top, and you can live on multiple ones. Uh, you're living on top of Facebook and Twitter and Google and Apple in different ways and at different times, but you're, you're inhabiting those things and there's a dependency on that. And so the, the government's going after those things rather than you personally, you know, but, but they consider these large companies responsible and so they want to obligate them in a number of ways that they may not be prepared to deal with. And that I think is part of what Apple's dealing with here. So I wonder, so we, before, you know, we have to wrap up, I, I, I was hoping we could spend a little bit of time um, speaking to the part of our audience that has a, has a problem with this, right? I mean, you know, there are opinions all over the place and some people may be okay with it, but a lot of people just aren't, right? Uh, you know, I'm personally frustrated. You know, I, I'm not actually too worried about this affecting me personally, but I just, you know, I, I feel like I am, I fall in the camp of worrying about the slippery slope. I don't like what this means generally. Right. And um, to that end, you know, maybe we could talk about what people could do to, you know, as an alternative, like, okay, say you are a, in, you're fully in the Apple ecosystem. You've got the watch, the phone, the laptop, everything there is to have, um, you know, so we could start with that person who maybe doesn't want to jump ship, but, you know, first, I guess, just turn off iCloud backup. I mean, is that, is that the obvious thing? I mean, but that, you know, for your photos, but does that cover, you know, anything that Apple could scan for in the future? I mean, maybe not. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. Well, and that's the problem is right now, what we're talking about is the policy that they've decided to push down right now. And They've, this is the power of defaults, but it's also the power of not only them controlling the defaults, but controlling whether what can whether defaults can be changed. So mm -hmm. right now their policy is that's when they will scan only upon upload. That's their choice right now. And if they change their mind later, so right now, yes, our, my understanding is if, if we're not talking about the things that they do for people under 18 um, who mm -hmm. are under the, the different parental control thing, which is a whole other problematic issue that we probably won't have time to talk about here, uh, oh, yeah, that's a whole other conversation. That's a whole other thing because that hash database is not defined. It's a machine learning. Mm -hmm. This might be this might be a nude kind of thing, yeah. which is historically flagged all kinds of classical art and all kinds of other stuff. But let's let's put table that for a second. If we're talking just about about this right now, that the understanding is you can opt out of this by not backing up your photos to the to iCloud because they've decided that that's what it is. Right, but for now. So let's, so let's talk about other alternatives. So obviously we haven't even talked about this, but Kyle, you, you work for a company that makes a phone. Um, that is, that is an obvious alternative. If you just are tired of playing this game, you know, and want to truly own your device, there are some options, right? So, so I wanted to mention the Libram phone. I also thought, you know, maybe we could talk a little bit about Calyx OS or Graphene OS that you can install on Android devices. If that's, you know, something that's more, maybe more comfortable, is that something that maybe you could kind of talk about i don't know how familiar you were with those i mean i've used i've used some of that some of those in the past uh i've dabbled with some of the basically the free free versions of android that are google, either google free or you can add google play store type applications on top of um the challenge with all of those and, and including the Librem 5 for for the audience here that's concerned about alternatives is that the way that apple has designed their ecosystem it's very difficult 
to switch to an alternative. There's a lot mm. of, you know, there in some cases they have ported their their particular applications to other platforms, but in many cases not. Uh, if you're all in on that ecosystem, I, it's I don't I don't know how comfortably many people who are all in on Apple's ecosystem are with moving to a different platform and getting their data out of the Apple platform and moving all of their applications over to alternatives. Um, but that's certainly the case for people who aren't necessarily all in. On, you know, they might have an iPhone or they might have a Mac that they use for certain things, but they they could use alternatives. Then, yeah, I mean, obviously, I think that Purism Sleeping 5 is an alternative. Uh, and that's one where there's no top-down enforcement of policy. You know, like you actually own the computer. You can do whatever you want with it. Um, these other Android alternatives are the only question I have about some of those. And this is the ongoing challenge with the Android alternative platforms is that there's always a challenge of keeping up both with the latest versions of Android because you have to continually backport them to these older devices as well as there's like an upgrade treadmill in the Android ecosystem mm -hmm. where over time, you know, just devices feel like they're getting slower and slower and slower because updates need more resources because there's an assumption that you're going to be getting a new Android device every couple of years. And so you need a flagship almost to get decent performance out of the very latest version of Android. So that means if you're working on one of these alternative versions of Android, you there is a lot of effort that goes into both keeping old devices running with new versions of Android and um, getting new devices to actually be able to run the OS. Uh, so if you can find a combination, basically there's a, there's if you can find a well-supported Android device that the developers all have, I guess, um, and, and track essentially what's popular and you're fine with that hardware, then you can at least have more say over it. Although even then, you know, what I'm concerned about as far as the Android platform goes is their move away from APKs into their new packaging format, uh, where they're tr they want all Android developers to move to the new uh, to Google's new package format that will only work through the Play Store. Uh, once that transition, they just announced that transition, and it's it probably will be a, another couple of years before um, APKs are so deprecated that no one will be writing applications packaged in them anymore. But when that happens, then the question is, if you don't have a, a developers developing in that format and you have to write Android applications through the Play Store, and that's the conduit, what will happen to all of these? What's the longevity of all of these forks that um, that kick out the Play Store on, on purpose? You know, intentionally don't want the Play Store and, and intentionally want you to load applications through APKs. I guess for the free software applications, they will just repack, they'll package an APKs like they always have. Um, that's not going to be a problem, but I'm thinking more people who want to use all of the mainstream non-free software applications of Android, but without being beholden to Google. Mm -hmm. um, in those cases, you can still sideload APKs of most of those applications you know, from the developers themselves, but that may go away. And if that goes away, what happens? I'm not sure. Right. So, what, so what about our users who are maybe you know, they, they really are, you want to go all in on privacy and ownership of their device, but, um, you know, you need your banking app to work or, or whatever. How do you, how do I do that on a Libram phone? <laughs> oh, sure. Well, so in, in that case, we, the banking app in particular has been a common use because we hear about, we have a number of people, a lot of people, uh, some of our customers in Europe in particular, they have the one sort of government central banking app that they need that they need to do a lot of things and it's it, and it's Android. 
Um, and some of those uh, customers have been able just to run it in an, in the Anbox emulator um, that can emulate Android applications. And for those basic things, if you have to have an app, in, in, in a number of cases, you can run it in an emulator. Um, alternatively, you know, there's always more sites are working well as web apps than they used to, like say 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. a lot of times if you if the if the website believes you're a mobile browser, then mm -hmm. it will change its behavior to be more friendly on that form factor. I mean, I've I've gotten pretty far just with that on a lot of programs yeah. because it, it thinks I'm it thinks I'm an iPhone in many cases or whatever. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> the irony there. So, yeah. so there's another, oh, sorry. Were you, did you have, no, some? I'm done. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, the other angle is of course, you know, what a lot of activists are doing and that is, you know, you don't have to leave the walled garden to speak up, I suppose. And, you know, a lot of people are taking that position. Like I'm, yes, I'm an Apple user, but that doesn't mean I'm going to not, what was the thing screech, the screeching voice of the minority? Yeah. I don't know. I'll, I'll I'll link to what I'm talking about. I promise in the description. But there there's there's a there was an internal Apple memo that was leaked and and it's 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 created a lot of um, well let's say snarky uh, <laughs> tweets as a well, result. It, well, and in response, there's also an open letter that uh, like the Apple privacy. I think it's at appleprivacyletter.com. We'll have to check that and and you'll yes. put the link yeah, below. But there's an open letter yeah. that's that a lot of you know a lot of uh, well-known people have signed through GitHub. Uh, to voice their opposition. Um, again, this that's an that's an option in particular for someone, I suppose, that is that's locked into Apple's ecosystem. You don't really have an alternative. The best the best thing for you would be, uh, and if you're not willing, basically, if you're not willing to leave the ecosystem, then yeah, the best thing for you to do is to complain to the to Apple, your vendor, and hope that they will listen. If enough people say something, that they will change their policy. Yeah, I think. Um... You know, I hope that there's enough pushback to to make Apple reconsider because, you know, but I, I, I honestly worry that there won't be. And, and that's maybe a topic for another time. But but, um, you know, I think that there 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 are a lot of issues that that, you know, I think, you know, I I don't know how to put this without sounding without misstating it, but, you know, I think the emotional argument here, and this is again, something we've talked about before, when you, when you talk about some, you know, a very emotional or controversial topic like this, I think that the, the underlying concerns are obscured because it's too easy to have a knee jerk reaction. Well, of course, you know, who wouldn't want to protect children, right? And, and I think that that it causes people to be distracted from the underlying security concern or privacy concern or, or whatnot. I think, and that, and, and, and I'm worried about that, honestly, because I think that this is not a good direction, but I worry that maybe the voices of the minority won't screech loud enough. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's clear that they've done you know, they've, Apple spent millions of dollars on marketing about privacy over the last couple of years. Once, once they saw what a differentiator it was between them and their major competitors, and that that it was getting traction to start talking about that, they've they've you know really like gone all in on saying we're a privacy platform, um, and that's that's our focus. And they've clearly done a lot of damage to that now. And so, like you can you can imagine the next the next privacy marketing campaign that they put out there. There's gonna, you know, there will be a lot of people that add little asterisks to their, 
you know, it, it's like sort of like finding out, finding an athlete that started doping or something where all of their achievements in the past now have asterisks next to them. Mm. Um, you know, any future marketing campaigns of theirs, they have a big, they will have a hill to climb now uh, about this particular issue, at least among some of their, some of their user base. Again, there, there will be people that say, yeah, even if they don't necessarily like it, but it's still Apple and I still most, I still trust them for the most part and I'm sure it'll be fine and it won't affect me personally anyway. There'll be plenty of people that, that fall along those lines. Uh, Until it does affect them personally. Well, sure. I mean, <laughs> yeah, no. well, but that's how, it, but that's always how it is. And that, so that's why there's folks like us that are saying, okay, well, mm-hmm. yeah, this, this particular thing may not necessarily affect me personally, but it's, it draws, it moves a line. Like I said, to me, the most significant thing about this is that it, it makes client-side scanning by the vendor fair game against the user's ability to stop it. You know, once once that line's been crossed and it will now be crossed, then it allows other vendors to do the same thing. And they may not all take the same level of care about this, even if Apple does. So yeah, to me, that's still my biggest concern is all of the devices that we now have all throughout our houses that if the crime is bad enough, we'll feel justified in looking for it. Well, I think that, you know, yep, I think that's a pretty great summary of, of, our, of my main concern as well. Um, I, think, I think we'll probably have to cover this uh, parental control aspect in a whole other episode because that's an entirely different conversation and very much part of Apple's child safety uh, policy now. So, so that's, that's, a, that's something to look forward to, I guess, in a future episode. But yeah, so, so it's a complicated thing. And I think we've... Uh, We've covered a lot of it. I wondered if y'all have any final thoughts before we wrap up. Well, mine, mine is that, uh, and I'll, I'm a broken record on this, but I think it's really early in everything. And what we've done at this stage of computing's history is we've created a bunch of private ecosystems that are not final. Um, they're experimental, they're all experimental. None of us can have the same phones three years from now. Um, probably not gonna have the same computers either. And and we still have a chance to to build privacy into things because we have it in the physical world, we should be able to have it in the, in the online world, in the, in the digital world. Digital world is still new. Um, we still have time to make it. We still have choices about what we wanna do with it. Um, we, we can prove that free markets are not your choice of silo but we can't prove it when we're living only in a siloed world. So I think all of those things are, are a lot of the things that appear to be certain and concrete and done at this point really aren't. And, uh, and we still have an opportunity to, to um, build a world that we want and not the one that, that the industrial system finds it easiest to make. So that's, you know, but I think it's going to take a long time. I mean, I'm, I've, I've, I haven't given up on seeing a lot of this stuff happen in my lifetime, but I'm, I'm certainly not betting on it, uh, but I, I'm still working toward it. I can work toward things that I'm not betting on. Oh, God, here's to the screeching voices of the minority. Oh, I'm a screeching <laughs> voice in the minority for sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think, I think part of it is that, like I hear people saying all the time, nobody really cares about privacy, you know, and that's just not true. There are a zillion studies that have shown over and over again that people do care about privacy. They've just given up on it. They just think that, you know, we're living in a world where we can't have it. So, but we still have to live in this world. So, okay, we'll get along in that, but doesn't mean we don't want it. You know, it's like giving up on good food when you live in a country where that cuisine is not part of it, right? You know, but we can do it. 
you know, I used to, I used to live in the, I lived many years in the in North Carolina where, where, you know, the fine cuisine was was anything you could make with pork, you know, and and <laughs> pork barbecue and, you know, now my gosh, there's so many great restaurants there. There's so many cuisines. There's so many ways to approach food that weren't there before. We it, the culture changes. We can change culture. You know, the culture we have now is not the one we have to have. We don't have to live with, I mean, the main thing I'm concerned about is coming a lot, coming up with laws that protect yesterday from last Thursday, and they're going to live with us for another 50 years and frame up everything we're doing. And I'm worried about that. Yeah, um, well, and who needs laws when Apple's going to sell you out anyway? <laughs> well, maybe, you know, and I'm not sure they're selling out. I think they're, you know, it, it's, they're making plenty enough money. And it, that, that's not it. It's, they're, they're making they're making a a difficult choice that we don't like. A lot of us don't like, and it's a difficult choice that they've not said is difficult, but they might as well. And you know that we think it's a wrong one doesn't mean that it isn't considered, and that they you know they feel responsible. They want to do something, and I think it's wrong. I think all three of us on here think it's wrong. But a bigger problem for me is that that they're a closed ecosystem. We need a bigger, we need, a, we need that thing to be opened up. We need choices in that we don't have. But they think, you know, it's a lot easier for us to control what we need to do here for your good and ours by being the parent, you know, and treating you as a child. And, you know, fixing that is going to take a long time. Yep. Well, yeah, that's sadly probably true. Buy, buy Kyle stuff. You know? Yeah. In the meantime, just, just go buy Sorry. purism stuff. Sorry. I know that you don't come on here with that in mind, but I it know. makes me happy it's, anyway. It it's like the opposite of, an, it of, a, yeah. of a plug. You're like, no, please stop plugging yeah. me. Oh, wait. That <laughs> sound right? Oh, well, now I'm going to get my phone searched. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we yeah, all work anyway. for Liddy's Journal, so we've already been on the radar. So that, that's, uh, uh, yep. that's the deal. Oh, God. Yeah. Anyway. Well, thank you for everyone who's, who's made it through this very difficult subject uh, uh, and made it to the end here. And uh, hopefully we'll actually explore some different aspects a little bit later once we, once we see how this story evolves. But yeah, thanks for joining us. And, and we will uh, check in next time. Thanks, Kyle. Thanks, Thanks, Doc. Yeah, thanks for being my pleasure. Thanks for having me on.